morning. Everyone stand with us this morning as we open in worship. The Bible says the Lord's going to come as a lion and the lamb. And one day every tongue will confess and every head will bow that Jesus is king. Sing it with us this morning. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. Every chain will break. This broken heart declare His grace. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? And our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power. He's fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Send the captives free For who can stop the Lord Almighty Our God is the Lion The Lion of Judah He's roaring with power Fighting our battles Every knee will bow before Him Our God is the Lamb The Lamb that was slain For the sin of the world His blood breaks the chains Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Yes, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Whoa. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? It's good to see you guys here. Thanks for braving the cold a little bit, right? It's turned a little bit colder, but uh, you guys are prepared, and you're here, and we're so thankful that you're here. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and just so happy that you're here with us this morning. We have a very exciting 
uh, Sunday gathering with baptisms and a, a word preached and worshiping, so it's good to be great. Wanted to remind you, uh, just from the scriptures, kind of why we gather. Um, it's this in Psalms 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. It's what we're doing now. And then it says, know that the Lord, he is God. He is the one who's made us. We are his. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture. So we can enter his gates with thanksgiving in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And that's what we want to do here at Sunset Hills. We're so thankful for being able to do that just openly and just unashamedly and being able to give Jesus the praise and the glory he so richly deserves. We're glad that you're here. If you're first time or maybe been here a few times, you can text that number and just say hi. We'll respond to that just by trying to get back to you. You can also come and see us at the connect table right out in the lobby. We have a little gift for you just for saying thank you for coming. We'd love to just meet you and say, uh, you know, how can we serve you in any way, shape, or form? We would love that to happen. Also, if you, as you're standing, would now just take an opportunity and just welcome some people right around you and just say, hey, good morning. Welcome to Sunset Hills. Glad you're here. Oh, hallelujah. 
guys may be seated for just a moment. We're going to take a moment and prepare for baptism. A lot of you guys last week had the uh, opportunity to meet Ryland, and uh, I said it wrong. I said he came from Spring Hill. It's Chapel Hill. It's still a drive, though. I knew it was one of those hills, and uh, <laughs> and Ryland's been with us for I guess the past three months or so. And um, I'll be honest, Ryland, I think your attendance has been better than mine in the last three months. I mean, he's been here every time the doors were open. And uh, Ryland, I just want you to look around and look at all these folks. I want you guys to see this golden smile. Ryland is one of these guys that when he'll step into a room and just light up the whole room. And he's done that since day one. And um, a lot of you guys don't know, but last week, we were getting ready to start the invitation and uh, you know we can see everything you do so don't don't do anything crazy out there okay because we see it and uh, we were getting ready to sing and I was looking out and, and I saw my brother Rylan and he was struggling he was sitting on the third row out there uh, tears were just streaming down his face and, and I'm not gonna lie it broke out into an ugly cry you did the ugly cry right and uh, thought to myself, like, man, Rylan, Rylan needs somebody to pray with him. And so uh, I've never done it before. I stepped off stage and I just said, Rylan, man, is there something I can pray with you about? And um, he said, yeah, that would be awesome. And so we, we stepped up front and the altar. We kind of prayed about some things. And, and Rylan and I, we've been talking about this for a little while. And um, I said, Rylan, is today the day that, that Jesus wants to come to your heart and be your Lord and Savior? And he said, yes, sir. And so right there, right here on this left side of the uh, altar, we, we prayed. And uh, I don't know if you believe in miracles or not, but I believe it's a miracle when we can wake up m one morning and we're a, we're a lost sinner destined to a devil's hell. But the next morning we can wake up as a son of God with a promise of eternity. That's a miracle. And we celebrate that with you today, Rylan. Rylan's family's here on the front row and and they started pouring in. I thought we were going to have to section off three rows. Uh, we're, we're glad that you guys are here celebrating his mom, Amanda, and his grandparents, and his brother, Austin. Austin, I want you to step up here with me, if you will. Um, I have permission from Austin for this. Austin's going to help me, if that's okay, uh, because you're a bigger guy than I am. And I haven't been working out lately, so I want to make sure we're able to get you back up where we need to. But as, uh, as Rylan and I have been talking over the past weeks, um, he's told me that his mom, Amanda, and his brother, Austin, have been so instrumental in him coming to faith. And Austin, when he saw you um, baptized not long ago um, and the way that you're living your life, um, he just said, that's, that's the model I want to follow. And that's the man that I want to be. And so uh, we, we just commend you for that. You've been such a great influence for him. And so, uh, so we're going to take a moment and we're going to baptize you. I don't want to get my microphone wet. Oh 
be seated please just for a moment some of you all probably are th- looking up here thinking wow what's going on here because this is Mary um, Ellen Hamilton and uh, Mary Ellen serves on our staff she's our ministry assistant and we've been just kind of going over some things and looking at our memberships and, and things of that nature and uh, as we we're doing this, um, Mary Ellen, who's been a part of this church for many, many years now. I mean, I haven't known you since Bobby was like, when he wasn't tall. <laughs> when he was six years old, I think. Uh, you guys showed up at Radnor Baptist Academy and enrolled in her school and got to know you through those years. and. So, Mary Ellen, as we were kind of talking about where we are as a church and, and, and trying to identify all of our members and encourage people who are not to become members of our church, surfaced that she's not a member of our, wasn't a member of our church, and that led to other things. And as we talked, she said, um, first of all, her son went home from Deacon's meeting and said, hey, we got to get this straightened out, and he figured this said um, you got to be a member and they just kept talking and then that led to other conversations that between Bobby and I uh, and, and Mary Ellen and so this past Thursday she said can I talk to you a few minutes I said sure absolutely and, and she said um, I want to be a member of the church and so he said okay well fine we'll do this and this and this and finally I got to the point where she said but I've never been baptized as a little girl, she became a believer. And she followed Jesus, made him Lord of her life, but she never followed through with baptism. I said, okay, well, you know what? We gotta get you baptized because you can't be a member of the church until you're baptized. That's just kind of the way it works. And so we got to this point and she said, can we do it privately? And I said, mm, well, yeah, we could do that. I said, but what's, why are you so worried about it being public? And we talked about that, and I said, and I thought, you know, it takes a lot of courage for you to be doing it. I'm keeping you up here much longer than you want to be. I know. You're good. All right. Water's warm. Yeah, it's a good, well, sort of. And, and so she, uh, I said, what is, what is the deal? Why do you want to do it in private? And I said, you know, if you... At this point in your age, at this point in your relationship with our church, we had courage enough to do it publicly. That might encourage others who might be have the same story that she has to take that step. There's nothing embarrassing about it. There is nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, your church celebrates what's going on today, and heaven celebrates what's going on. I said, but I don't want to try to force you into anything. I mean, I'm not going to fire you just because you won't be baptized or anything of that nature. But 
just think about it and you let me know. And Bobby was working with her as well and so they go home and they talk about it and Bobby says almost the same thing to her, which I think really and truly led her to the point of just say, surrendering it all to God and say, I want to be that witness. So cool. So it's a, it's a great joy for me, for our church, to celebrate with you your decision to make public, even though you have done it in many other ways, but through baptism, your faith in Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that with you today. Mary Ellen, upon your profession of faith years ago in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and obedience to his command, it's now my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
one worthy of that crown. Amen. Oh, 
morning. God, we are so grateful, Lord, to be able to celebrate Rylan and Mary Ellen as they have just walked forward in faith and obedience. Believers' baptism this morning. Lord, forgive us where we can be so pretentious sometimes to think that the breath that's in our lungs belongs to us. God, it doesn't. Lord, it's all about you. Lord, where we put faith in man, where we can be misguided sometimes. Lord, when we put faith in ourselves. Lord, I'm just so grateful that you've called us to surrender everything to you. Lord, you've promised that when we draw close to you, that you'll draw close to us. I'm grateful for that this morning. Lord, as we lean into your word and speak to our hearts, God, and let us be obedient to what you've called us to do. We'll give you all the glory. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I trust you've already been blessed by being at church this morning. Maybe, I, I did not state this well when I had Mary Ellen shivering in, the, in our baptistry up here. I, we're going to have to make sure it's a little warmer next time, man. It's like, but maybe your story is very similar to Mary Ellen's, that it's, you accepted Christ maybe when you were a child and younger or, or more recent and you just never have followed him through, to follow through with baptism, then it's not too complicated. It's a pretty simple process and we'd love to talk to you about that. So you can call any one of our pastors and we'll be happy to share some time with you to discuss that. If you were here last week, you may remember that we answered this question here. What one thing could you do more that has the potential to radically change you? So let me test you again, but before I do, I just want you to know that when I asked this question last week, I, you failed the test. Miserably did you fail at remembering what one thing you could do uh, that would make a greatest difference in your life. At least those of you, I'm going to let some of you off the hook, but some of you weren't here back in 2017 when I first preached that message. And so you got a pass, but for those of you who've been around since 2017, you're failures. That's just all I can say about that because you did not remember the answer that I asked some seven years ago. I mean, I was really embarrassed that not one single person was able to give me an answer from the past. Or maybe, maybe it was me who failed, was the one who failed because I didn't do a good job teaching you what you could do that would make a big difference. So, 
at the risk of pastoral embarrassment again, I'm going to see if you can do a better job at answering this particular question today than what you did last week. What is one thing that you can do that has the greatest potential to change you this year more than anything else? What is it? I'm such a good teacher. There you go. If we really want to change how this year is going to go, then I strongly suggest that you pray more. But now hold on a minute. I'm not insinuating that you should be praying more frequently to somehow compel God to give you more. Like, oh God, I just don't have enough money to go and take this vacation that you know I desperately need to take. So God would somehow, would you cause me to win the lottery or something like that? That's not what I'm encouraging you to do. I mean, you might say, well, God, you want me to have fun. You want me to be happy, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not encouraging you to pray more as if God was some kind of genie with this magic lamp that is waiting to suffice all of your wants and all of your pleasures. That's not what I'm talking about. But I truly believe that if you want to change how 2024 is going to go for you, how it's going to stack up, then you pray more with a purpose to line up what your life is to be like with what God wants for you. And I believe if you would do that, then God's going to do some incredible things for you during this year. Doesn't mean that all is going to go perfect. In fact, very likely it's not. In fact, you start praying more and the devil's going to start working on you more, right? That's how he does. If you start moving closer to God, I mean, Kelly just prayed. When we move closer to God, he draws closer to us. That's too. But also the devil snuggles up next to you and tries to derail what you're doing. But God will respond. Now, I'm not going to limit God on how he chooses to bless you. So if you pray to him to bless you with something like a new job or some kind of extra finances, or maybe you're praying to have improved relationships or, or something like that to happen in your life, then God may choose to do that in the way that he wants to do it by your prayers. It's okay to pray that. He wants us to bring our cares to him, our concerns and our desires before him, so go for it. However, don't just treat God like he's your, I guess it's okay to use this term, sugar daddy. You know, waiting around to just give you the stuff that you want at your beckoning call and then get mad because he didn't do it or you didn't get your way. The reason that I preached that particular sermon last week was to relate to you what I believe is the second best thing, not that it has any less importance, but you can also uh, uh, partner this uh, with the prayer last week of what you can do to make this year 
make a difference, a greater impact on your life. And it has to do with prayer also. Coming from from the powerful teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, we read these words of Jesus. It goes like this, in this manner, therefore pray. Now, I decided that, I mean, this, this, what I'm about to touch on, we're all familiar with. And in fact, uh, when I go into this, if you know what this verse leads into, you would be able to quote what is said after that. But this past week, uh, we were, staff was going to eat lunch, and Kelly shared um, what his great nephew, Parker, what his mom had rep- recorded to us uh, on, on a cell phone, and uh, his little three-year-old has learned to say a prayer. And so Kelly shared it with us. Oh, man, perfect setup for my sermon today. So listen to what Parker, a three-year-old, and his mom, this, in, this exchange between the two of them. I say amen to that. It is a sweet thing to listen to a three-year-old who's being taught how to pray as Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And from that are four words that I, even in the midst of this incredible treasure of powerful phrases and actions that Jesus so briefly and succinctly stated, there are four words that, well, actually it's more, but I'm starting with four. Four words that I wanted to focus on. And these are the words, your will be done. Now, I could spend weeks on different phrases that he uses in this short prayer, and I don't want to diminish any importance to the rest of his prayer, for it's all quite remarkable. But I believe that if you pray more, and you pray with this end in mind that your will be done, when we say these words, it will have an incredible impact upon your life. And so we're going to 
talk about that. When we repeat these words, I mean, I could have just chosen, rather than letting Parker say this prayer, I could have said, would you please stand and all of us repeat the Lord's Prayer? And likely, almost 100% of us, if you've been raised in the church or know much about it at all, could have stated that prayer. I learned to pray it in elementary school. In a public school, they taught me how to pray the Lord's Prayer. So all of us could state that, but quite often we are, hear this prayer and we get to those words of your will be done, do we really understand the full measure of what it means? I believe there are times when we just kind of go through this r- kind of routinely and, and we have really no notion of understanding of what it is that we're saying. And if we did, we really don't have any intention of taking these words very seriously to the point of seeing to it that it is the Father's will that is done. You know why? Because praying these words, your will be done, is an exercise in setting our agenda aside and submitting to a different one. One that is designed by God himself. And most of the time, we fight with the poor to carry out our will as opposed to the Father's will. I don't know about you, but I'm often in constant battle with this thing of putting me first. We have a strong desire to serve ourselves. I'm curious, um, did or do any of you parents ever have a strong-willed child? Anybody? Okay, I see a few hands, I see a lot more. Head and shakes, yes. We did in our home. I'm not going to tell you which child it was, but there were times when that particular child child tested us, and it's kind of embarrassing to say that Lynn and I were both educators. That was our training uh, in, in college and had many years of dealing with uh, in, in the education field and between the two of us. and. We were exposed to a lot of different people's children, even some parents who had, as I said earlier this morning, uh, their kids in the school that where I served as head of school. And, and we often found ourselves, even though we had all this experience being challenged by one of ours, and at times it was a constant battle on whose will was going to win out. And sometimes ours did, and many times his did. Well, now I've just narrowed it down to two. <laughs> if you've had a, have a strong-willed child, you know exactly what I'm saying. That particular one decided when he was about five years old that he was going to want to go live with somebody else. He was going to, I want to go live with somebody else, he proudly Proclaimed because he didn't want to submit to our rules. And I said, okay, go pack your stuff. 
And he went in, got a few things out, and he said, well, pack your stuff, get, so let's go get in the car. We started driving out on the road, got to Nolensville Road, and out of the neighborhood we lived in at the time, and I said, we go left or right? And so I, what do you mean? I said, well, if we go right, we, you're going to live with Uncle Randall. If you go left, you're gonna go live with your papa. So which is it gonna be? He didn't decide, so I decided for him. I chose the worst of the two. <laughs> and I'll let you determine who that was. Because the one that's still around is probably listening to my sermon. And when he couldn't choose, I chose for him. And about three blocks down the road, he began to think differently. Started submitting to our will. Anybody been there? You know what I'm talking about? Any of your parents? I'm just wondering, though, are you one of God's strong-willed children? And rather than praying, thy will be done, or your will be done, is your prayer more like not your will, but my will be done? Are you going around stomping your feet or pouting like a little strong-willed child? I'm wondering how many times God has looked down on someone like me to see if I'm actually submitting to his will or is my will winning out? In other words, when you pray, are you praying for God to change the universe to accommodate you because you think the, those are the things that will make you happy? We make our prayer known and then we expect God to change the universe just to give us what we want. It's the attitude of praying and living from a self-centered life. And for the Christian, a self-centered prayer is misplaced focus. Jesus invites us to pray. But he's very specific in how we go about praying he says, your will be done. In fact, you back up though, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And that goes from the focus being all about you to a much greater encompassing desire of seeing God work. And he invites us to ask the Lord to bring all that God wants to into the world that pleases, not us, but pleases God. I think it might be a little easier, you know, I've got your kingdom come, which is out of, I believe, the new King James Version to go back to the old King James Version and get a better sense of what this means when it says thy kingdom come. God is, Jesus is speaking and he's, he's addressing his disciples and those that are listening and he's looking and he's addressing God. It's your kingdom. And I want us to get this straight. This is God's kingdom. What is here? And what is when we drive down the road and when we take a chance to, to fly across the country or we go around the globe, guess what? It's all God's kingdom. It belongs to him. It always has been and it always will be. 
And God is always, even when we wonder what's going on in the world, he's always sitting on the throne. That's what Psalms 103, 19 reminds us. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So wherever God is, there is his rule and his reign and his, his kingdom is uniquely different from any other kingdom that's ever been established on the face of this earth or will be established. Understand this. If you don't get anything else, out of the sermon, then maybe catch this point right here. Even if you will not submit to his rule and his reign, his kingdom, the kingdom of God, still exists. And the Lord's prayer stands on the foundation of who God is and that he's sovereign, and that he's alive, and he's well, and he wants to intervene in what's going on on earth. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're praying to this awesome God. It doesn't stop there. We're praying that Christ will have dominion in our life. We are, in essence, submitting ourselves to his lordship, we're asking him to, to set aside our agenda and overrule our desires to establish his purpose in our lives. Christ does not come into the believer on a basis of give and take. Oh, if you'll do this, Jesus, then I'll do this for you. It's not like a voting process, a democracy. When Christ comes into your life, he comes more like a dictator, a lord. He's in charge. Christ demands the right of kingship so that in setting up his kingdom, he may destroy all the flesh and sin that's in your life and around us. And he wants to use us to do it. So we're praying that God's sovereign rule will be established in our hearts and our minds and not only for those who acknowledge him as a king, but also in the hearts and minds of those who choose not to acknowledge him. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So when we pray your will be done, it's a recognition of whose kingdom it is. And obviously, this is contrary to how people and nations see themselves because they think they're the ones in charge. The kingdom of God is not some national government. It's not established in a Republican party or a Democrat party or any other kind of party. You do understand that government kingdoms are at best temporary and at worst corrupt. Some act as if politicians control their hope or some corporation or some invisible economic force 
Do you believe that the fates control your destiny, or do you believe that there is a personal, loving God who tenderly directs and guides the affairs of your life? That's, there's a fundamental difference there. And which one do you choose to submit to? Maybe it's not in any of those. Maybe you're choosing the old enemy that you, the probably next to Satan, the greatest enemy that you have, and that's self. Are you submitting to your own personal kingdom? Years ago, a very popular song came around, made popular by Frank Sinatra. It's a great musical, I don't know what the word is, a composition of talent that's done this song. You know, it's incredible. You listen to it, it's powerful. I did it my way. As I've gotten older, a little bit more mature in my faith, I've realized the fallacy of that song. And I'm growing more and more to really dislike that song. I did it my way. Is that the theme song of your life? And if it is, I would say to you, Lord, have mercy. Please change it. Please find another one. Because if you just proudly proclaim as Sinatra did and you were to sing this powerfully public or privately but it becomes a theme of your life that's a rather self-centric caustic position in life to take. It's dangerous. In fact, Jesus emphasized something totally different when he said this. If anyone would come after me that's talking to the church here he must, doesn't sound like he's given a choice, deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life, whoever wants to be in charge of his own life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self. That is totally different from how we're taught in culture. There were some early Christians who understood this. The Romans often persecuted those early Christians because the rulers never felt that they fully could trust the Christians. You know why? Because Christianity, Christians of that day stubbornly insisted that their hope didn't rest in Rome's decisions. Rome could not come, uh, Rome could come and go, uh, but Jesus would still be the Lord. Christians would never pledge unwavering allegiance to any kind of human crown, only to heaven's rule. So they were persecuted for it. Praying his will be done acknowledges that all you are and all that you have 
what you're doing when you're praying that is you're submitting it to God's will, not yours. And before you can do that, you need to understand what God's will is. To pray, thy will be done, is a commitment to knowing God's will. And you want to know where to figure out God's word, uh, will, it starts in getting in his word. Because if you're trying to figure out what God's will is for your life, it is always going to be consistent with what his word says. A lot of people say, well, God wants me to be happy. Okay, don't buy that lie. But I, I, I've actually heard people say to me, well, God wants me to get out of this marriage and, into, and, and have this other relationship because he wants me to be happy. That is not consistent with his word. It doesn't work that way. Get to know what he says in his word, and that goes a long ways in figuring out God's will for your life. If we're going to know the will of God in our everyday affairs, we're going to have to read his book. He's already laid out for us. His will for your life is not going to be contrary to what the Bible says. Quite often people will say, well, I've been doing that and I really, I really am trying to figure out what God's will is for my life. Okay, yes, get it. I mean, there's a lot that's there that's God's will for anybody who is a Christ follower. But often we are, God has specific plans and paths for us to travel. We're trying to figure out what is that will? Well, W. Philip Keller, in his book, A Layman Looks at the Lord's Prayer, lays out some very practical issues or uh, ways to do that. And you might find some of these helpful, these guidelines. You can ask yourself this question. Is what I'm concerned about in agreement with what is, ex- is expressed in his word? If so, so fine. If not, don't do it. Very simple. Here's the second thing. Have I faced a similar situation before? If so, what did God reveal to me at that time? If you made a mistake, then by all means, don't repeat it. It's amazing to me how many people get in a situation. They're trying to figure out, God, what are you telling me to do? And they've, like, they've, I'm just saying the way, they've screwed up. And then they kind of get in another situation, and guess what? They do it again. So then learn from the mistake in time. Do you know anybody like that? Are you someone like that? Here's another one. If the decision is difficult, seek godly counsel. You've heard that recently from me. It's not original to me because Proverbs kind of brings it out. It says, where there is no counsel, people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is Safety. Here's the fourth one. Make a decision, a a matter of quiet and earnest prayer. Ask the Father to impress on your spirit what is the proper course of action. And goes on, there's scripture that backs that up. It says, if any man lacks wisdom, does anybody remember I did a sermon not too long? Don't answer that because I don't want to be embarrassed again. But I did a sermon on wisdom. Getting wisdom from God, and because it comes out of Scripture, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, 
and without reproach and it will be given to you. That's not me saying, go get some wisdom from God. That is the Bible say, go get some wisdom, ask him. Here's another one. Don't ignore, I love this one because it seems to be missing so much in today's culture. Don't ignore common sense that God has given to you. Boy, I could spend a whole sermon on that right there. Common sense. Where is common sense today? Where is godly sense? Very uncommon, people are saying on the front of it. Yeah. Next one, take your time. Do not make hasty and impatient decisions. God is seldom in a rush about things. And finally, anticipate that the passage of time will either open or close a door of opportunity. This should be recognized as a sense of peace and acceptance. Great ways to try to figure out what is God's will for your life. And I say, if you're still searching, you're trying to figure it out, keep doing the thing that you're doing if it's pleasing God. Don't give up on that. And here's what I've also discovered if you're not in God's will if you're not praying thy will be done and you're so bent on doing things your way as long as you're not in God's will you are never going to have peace say well I won't be happy well unless you're doing God's will I mean, we've talked about happy. Happy is, happy is just, it, it, it's so misleading. Be God's will. You can have all sorts of bad things going on in your life that are external and still have peace of God when you're in His will. Someone once wrote this, author's unknown, goes like this, the will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you, where the arms of God cannot support you, where the riches of God cannot supply your needs, where the power of God cannot endow you. The will of God will never take you where the spirit of God cannot work through you, where the wisdom of God cannot teach you, where the army of God, of God cannot protect you, where the hands of God cannot mold you. The will of God will never take you where the love of God cannot enfold you, where the mercies of God cannot calm you, where the peace of God cannot calm your fears, where the authority of God cannot overrule you. The will of God will never take you where the comfort of God cannot dry your tears where the word of God cannot feed you, where the miracles of God cannot be done for you, where the omnipresence of God cannot find you. Everything happens for a purpose. We may not see the wisdom of it at all, but now, but trust and believe in the Lord that everything is for the best. So when we're praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we're acknowledging the fact that the sovereign God is working 
in our lives and in the world. Let your kingdom come into my life. Let me submit to your reign, God, and the rule of my heavenly Father in my life and in my prayers. And this prayer declares for those who choose to really pray it and pray it earnestly that our aim is not about this world and the petty battles that we face, but that it goes beyond that. And we're saying by praying this prayer that we're placing our hope in something much greater than who we are. We're placing our hope in the Almighty God. And where else can you put hope except in Him? All of our dreams and all of our visions for the future, all of our destiny lies with the God who loved us so much that he gave us the greatest gift that we've ever been given, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that demonstrated his love toward us. Therein is our hope. So when we pray this prayer, We come to the Lord God who pays attention to us. This becomes our foundation. This becomes our cornerstone. God, your kingdom. Oh. I've often wondered. So I personally have witnessed this, death of my own two parents, many others in our church, where I've been there in those last few moments of life. And without a doubt, you know that somebody just passed from this life into eternity. I've often wondered, what's the kingdom of God like? What did they just experience? We can't describe it. We can let our minds try, we try to wrap our minds around how peaceful it must be, how magnificent it must be, how there everything is right and perfect. And so when we're praying this, this kingdom that God has, we're saying, God, bring all that is right, right into this world that is wrong. Thy kingdom come. And I submit my will to that. Heavenly Father, May it be right now. As we go into this time of prayer and invitation, there's not a single person here that is not surrendered to your will being done in their life. And if there's anything that's holding them back from that right now, may it be that they 
are able to see it through the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will call it out in their life and say, you need to get this straight. You need to submit. Get beyond your will and submit to God's will, to your will, Father. Do it work right now in our lives and put us at the posture before you where we're able to say, Thy will be done. Maybe you're here today and you're fighting this battle. I mean, you know what your battle is. I'm not going to try to define it. If you're fighting a battle, this is a great opportunity to bring it before God and say, I need help with this, Lord. And I bring it before you. You can do it privately. You can do it publicly. Maybe you want myself or one of our pastors to pray with you. But please, just don't leave this place with the attitude, well, I was almost there. I was, I just couldn't quite let go. That's not praying a prayer, thy will be done. That's still, even though it may be just a little bit, that's still stating, my will is more important than your will, God. So may our prayer be that yours is of utmost importance. It is the, it is the pinnacle of our surrender to you. Thy will be done. Father, help us in this moment to be submissive of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand. Please sing. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair
to this. Listen to this. It's beautiful words. The ocean filled and were the skies of parchment made Where every stalk on earth a quill And every man a scribe by trade To write the love a God above Would drink the ocean drag scroll contain the whole those stretched from sky to sky all love of God how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure, the saints and angels Lord, I wish I could just pin words such beautiful beautiful meaning to them whoever wrote this they certainly had experienced your unfathomable your incredible love to share it with a fallen people like us thank you thank you for the love of God so rich and pure. And all the church said, maybe see seated, please. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I, uh, when we were here on Thursday, we set the baptistry up and turned it on and I put the heater on a power strip that was 15 amps and the heater pulled more the water was kind of cold and so uh, when we got here this morning I said to Ron I said Ron man the water's kind of cold I just want to warn you did you warn Mary Ellen <laughs> she figured it out on her own. oh yes for sure <laughs> she came up here but she did didn't it? <laughs> but he said uh, he said you know what he said I don't care if it was ice water I'm going to be baptized this morning. Amen. Stick around tomorrow. It will be. <laughs> we're, we're so glad to have you guys here with us this morning. I uh, do want to let you know that uh, coming up a week from today, if you're here and you've been um, visiting and kind of with us and haven't made maybe this your church home officially, um, I want to let you know that uh, we have a thing that we call Discover Sunset Hills. And it's just a time that uh, our, our church staff, and a couple of our leaders, uh, we just want to have lunch with you. It'll be here in the building. Um, it'll, it'll happen immediately following service. And just kind of share our hearts about ministry, what's going on here, what God's led us to. And uh, so we encourage you to be a part of that. Um, if 
you want to be a part of that, please see Pastor Eric, just yeah. so we can uh, kind of make sure we've got enough lunch. Yeah, do do us a big favor too. Would you just make sure that you sign up with me in the yeah. foyer because you'll introduce yourself to me, but then I won't remember, and I got to get that down so I can have our admin people actually do the better work. So uh, please do that. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, our uh, men's winter Bible study is in full swing. Our women's Bible study is in full swing. Um, it just started this past week, so uh, again, so if you haven't jumped in, there's still time, jump in there, and then um, encourage us, pray for us. We have several adults and um, about 25 teenagers. We're doing um, our annual lockout that comes up this Friday, and so we'll be uh, doing everything from escape rooms to axe throwing to um, we'll take over a Waffle House. It's going to be a blast. Um, and it seems like all fun and games, but I want to tell you, Rylan, I was just a little bit older than you uh, on August 12th, 1989, at a lockout um, is when I gave my heart to Jesus. And so God uses unconventional ways uh, to reach hard-headed kids. And so uh, just be in prayer for us this week as we, uh, as we spend, spend time with them. So just a couple of other announcements. First of all, uh, thanks for not muting me when I was singing that song at the end. Uh, they always say, you know, it's like, Dad, no, I was using my son running the uh, sound and he would have muted me. Yeah, but uh, I, I wanted to sing and I wanted you all to hear me sing that. So there you go. And so thanks for listening. And for all you folks live streaming, if you heard that weird voice at the end, it's mine. I'll take responsibility for it. Sorry about that, that I messed up your, y'all's mix there, okay? I'll do it again in the future. Yeah. Uh, we have some, they're saying some prediction of bad weather coming in, uh, starting this evening, I think, is what they're now saying. Uh, let me just inform you what our inclement policy is as far as activities that go on at daytime or nighttime here. Uh, we made this policy some time ago, and it just really simplifies everything. We don't have to do a lot of calling if something's taking place. And there will be things taking place uh, this week with uh, Bible studies and whatnot. If Williamson County schools are closed that day, then there are no activities here at church or at night. Okay, so if you wake up and say, Williamson County schools are closed, then well, I'm wondering if I need to go to Bible study. Are they going to have Bible study? The answer is no. Okay, so don't venture out and say, hey, don't tell your wife, I need to go to Bible study because you want to go drive in the snow or something like that. I don't, uh, but there are no activities here that, that evening and um, whatever that is, or that daytime. So the Williamson County schools are closed. Now, that's not Davidson, it's not Rutherford, it's Williamson County, okay? So if you hear Williamson County schools are closed, then there are no activities taking place at Sunset Hills, okay? You good? All right. We're good? Okay. I want Kent and Suzanne Ford to please stand, and their family, uh, Lacey and Douglas, and I think everybody knows these guys. Um, they, they, they've been attending our church for, for some time, and um, they, um, I don't, they're very faithful, and, and, and uh, I was informed yesterday that because I'm retiring, they decided to join the church. <laughs> So 
So uh, we don't normally vote on letting people in, but uh, no. This is a great family. They've made incredible contribution to our church, and they have taken their time to make sure this is exactly where God wanted them to be, and they finally have come to that decision. And so they, each one of them, uh, are saying they want this to be their church home. You're already family, so you're not, it's not anything new, but we welcome you, and we look forward to what God's going to do uh, in, in the life of Sunset Hills and in your lives because of your decision today. So we celebrate that with you, church. Ready to go home? I can preach again if you're not. <laughs> Would you please stand? Father, we are grateful, truly grateful for what you do in our life of our church, what you've done this morning. Ryland coming to Jesus last week and professing that through baptism today. Mary Ellen coming years ago to Christ and professing that today through baptism. And for the Ford family coming to be a part of this work here, we ask you bless what we do as a church, not to bring honor and glory to our kingdom here, but to your kingdom. May we always be looking to be in the center of your will and obedient to what you want us to do because we're submissive and we pray. And when we pray, we pray that thy will, your will be done. As we leave this place, Father, I pray that this message will be one that we take with us, that truly as we pray more this year, we will pray with the attitude and with the surrender of your will to be done in our lives. And because of that, we'll see a difference. And others will see a difference. And they'll want to know what that difference is. And that we'll be able to share. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. We ask these things in his name. We pray. Amen. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining right us here. for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615 776 1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope, and you and I we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us, and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.
Thank you.